Hey, 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 you guys. Thank y'all so much for being back on season eight of Black Canvas. I'm so excited to have our special guest here with us, Mr. Kevin Maher. He is a Los Angeles native. He's a world-renowned choreographer, creative director, and teacher. As a dancer, he has toured the world with Mariah Carey and Eve. He was featured in You Got Served and danced for Missy Elliott, J-Lo, Cindy Lauper, the late great Miss Whitney Houston, and Gwen Stefani. As a choreographer, he has worked with Madonna, Justin Bieber, Britney Spears, Nicki Minaj, Rihanna, Becky G, Kelly Clarkson, Carly Rae Jepsen, Pitbull, Nick Jonas, Jennifer Lopez, Nadi, Natasha, Selena Gomez, and Bad Bunny. He has creative directed 15 years of world tours for new kids on the block, as well as the Sydney Opera House hit Blanc de Blanc. He is currently on tour with Monsters of Hip Hop and Hollywood Vibe. And I'm just so excited to have Kevin here with us on Black Canvas. We appreciate you being here with us. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And thanks for that, uh, <laughs> for killing the, you know, the difficult names <laughs> with the, the bio. That was a tough one, but you aced it. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I love talking to new people on the show. And Kevin, I just am just so elated to have you here. You've done a lot of great things in your career. And when I saw, of course, working with the late, great Whitney Houston, I was just so excited. <laughs> yeah, I got to work with her and uh, George Michael at, at the same time. So that was a really fun, you know, something I'll never forget. Wow. So I wonder if I can kind of start there for a second. Is there maybe one artist you work with? Like it was like such a like a surreal moment where outside, of course, Whitney and George Michael, is there anyone else like you're like, I can't believe I have this opportunity right now? I'm, I'm kind of like that with, with all of them, I'm, uh, especially the ones um, that I listened to growing up. Um, and, and I get very like, um, uh, like geek, geek out when um, I'm meeting them and they know my name ahead of time. Um, like uh, when I heard Madonna say my name, but I've only met her for five minutes. And she's like, where's Kevin? I'm like, ah, so, you know, that was uh, insane. But anytime... Um, uh, I get to work with someone who I listened to growing up or, um, you know, uh, was inspired by growing up. It's, it affects me more because it's me as a kid and not just uh, the people who I love now. Me as an adult uh, is is humbled and grateful. But the version of me who is a kid was also uh, humbled and, and geeking out. So anytime I get to work with a, an artist that I listened to growing up, I get super excited kind of like I am with you right now. I was like, this is such a great <laughs> thing. Dancing is something that I think is an innate thing for a lot of artists to be able to perform. That's not my strong suit for sure, but I love watching it. I've always been enthralled with seeing people live in on the dance floor and just have a good time, especially with different forms of dance. And one of my favorite shows that I loved watching was Dancing with the Stars. And it's just, there's so many different versions from contemporary to foxtrot to, you know, jazz and you know, I just love to see that. And just the competitive nature of me is like, if I was on the show, I'd probably be one of the first ones voted out. But I would have such a great time <laughs> just like being around other people and just being able to smile and do something that's out of my comfort zone. But it would probably bring, you know, a light to me that I just love. So I just admire you so much for what you've been able to do 
but I do want to start with my first question, which is, can you tell us about growing up in your hometown and who was one of your biggest supporters in your career as a kid? Um, well, my hometown was uh, maybe like 45 minutes from outside of LA, but it was a suburb. And um, I went to private school my whole life. And um, the only time we got to perform or do anything that, wa- that way would be like choir or a Christmas play or a talent show. Um, so our, my, my parents' main focus, the school's main focus was always academics. Um, but my older sister, she, I watched her audition for like drill team and flag and these different dance companies. Um, we were 10 years apart. And so she was my biggest uh, supporter growing up. And uh, I just, I would watch her and uh, I'd see her get rejected or I'd see her get accepted. And I would just kind of um, really admire that she was doing something that uh, was outside of what we were taught and she was good at it. And um, so so she supported me along the way. Um, And she was there whenever I would try um, some different, you know, type of sports or a different type of activity or whatever I tried, she would always um, be there to support me. But I think performing and dance is what we both had in common. So that was a real strong, uh, uh, you know, back backbone for me growing up Um, because my parents just wanted to encourage all of us to do what they know and what they know as academics. So it's difficult growing up and wanting to be an artist (laughs) when you're, uh, your family's not familiar with that pathway. 100%. And I can relate to that. Um, being, of course, an African-American with that struggle alone of like your family, if you had other people who were used to achieving certain things in our family. And a lot of our, um, my, my mom had a college degree. Um, my grandfather didn't have the opportunity to go to and finish high school and go to college. So he instilled in us, hey, you have to get your degree. You have to complete these things. And so I feel like it's never too late for you to definitely pursue it. But I'm just so glad that you had a sibling who actually understood that the plight that you were going through to become who you are now. And then even your family now, I know they have to be so proud of you to see how much hard work you put into this career. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it took a while, but then after uh, they started seeing me uh, make a great living and be happy and 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 be on television or travel the world for free, uh, they definitely um, got on board and, and supported. And uh, they would come to my shows, or I would fly um, fly them out to different events just to kind of uh, see what it's like. So that part was great. I love to hear that. Now, I have a really interesting question. I want to see how you respond to this one. So how how did you become a dancer and a creative director in your mind? Like, when did you know, hey, I am a dancer? And then a second part of that is, why is choreography, you think, a central part of dance um, for the dancer, the audience, as well as for maybe a dance maker? Well, um, <laughs> those are good questions. Um, I've always enjoyed um, different types of performing, um, but I don't think till like later on in high school, it felt really cool to be part of like dance crews and um, that type of like performance. Um, 
And so I was in a dance crew in high school. And then I, when we would compete against other crews, some of them happened to be like collegiate troops. And so I was drawn to how you can still have your academics and, um, and really kill it with dance. So I started to get into the world of different dance crews and uh, train with collegiate dance troops while I was in high school. And, um, and then I, I moved to New York after that, and I just threw myself into everything that I didn't know as far as dance went. And, uh, you know, dancing is like, like a singing or any, anything else that like some people are born with it and some people you just can work really hard and figure out where you fit in, what your body's capable of, what your look gives, what makes you happy. And that's when I started to find out that I could actually be a professional dancer. Um, but I was living in New York and I didn't want to be on Broadway. So I moved back to L.A. and I just, uh, you know, hit the ground running and getting into every class I could. Eventually subbing at different dance studios and building a teaching career and choreography career. And, um, you know, the kind of ladder in the dance world is like dance, then um, choreography uh, teaching kind of parallels the whole way and then creative directions up on top. A lot of people also, uh, after they are behind an artist so much, they realize they have so much more to offer in their expression besides from their body. So they veer off to acting so they can use their voice as well. Uh, but for me, I, I, I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still dancing, uh, choreographing, creative directing. And um, I, I'm still in love with all of those. Um, I think one of the questions was like, how does, how is choreography like a, a hub? I think you were saying um, for, for the dance world, but I, I look at it kind of like, um, like a, like a designer and uh, they have an idea and then they, they bring the idea to a client or a client finds them and then you tailor the outfit on them. And so that's kind of what the choreographer does. Um, and there's so many different ways a choreographer can work. They can work per the request of what the artist wants. A lot of times the artist will say, I want to go from A to B. I'm going to be holding this. I want two people behind me and I want it to be exciting and big. So then we fill in the blanks. Another way of choreographing is representing your true authentic voice for no purpose other than just to let it out. And that happens a lot when, um, uh, when we teach classes or, or, or sometimes artists say, do your thing. And we get to have full um, control over it. And sometimes there's um, projects that have different choreographers and we're all trying to grab the puzzle pieces and put them together to get the job done. So, Choreographers in itself is kind of the same way you would look at like a stylist, a designer, somebody who kind of shapes what you're wearing and what you're seeing and, and what event is it? What kind of body type is it? What age is the person? Uh, how hard does the person want to work? Uh, how fast is the turnaround? So those are all the things that um, happen in the choreography, choreography world that uh, not a lot of people are aware of. I think that is a huge component that I didn't even think about. And I love the analogy that you made <laughs> of just relating it to like a designer. Cause when you think of like um, people who start their own houses and, and who are designing, there's a creative direction that they're going, whether it's a spring fall look, whether it's a specific yeah. material, also just like even a runway show, like what types of models, you know, how many looks are you going to have? I think that's the same difference that you mentioned, like with 
you know, choreographers, like you need to know how many are going to perform if it's going to be for the Grammys or for American Music Awards. Um, you know, also just being aware of, you know, time constraints and making sure that you have enough time to go over your eight counts or how many counts are going on. And I just, <laughs> I love that because that just shows your diligence to the field. But then it also, it's a certain look. Like you said, some artists may want something specific. I use like a, a Lizzo as example. You know, I love her. She's an amazing artist. And she believes in, you know, body positivity and just sharing that experience on stage. And we need to see, of course, more of that diversity on stage. But it just helps, you know, those artists out there who may feel that they're not enough or they need, you know, someone like Elizabeth to be able to say, you know, you can do this and you're amazing and you deserve this stage. And so I love, Kevin, that you're able to do that, to just kind of have that creative direction, but also working sometimes collaboratively with other, you know, different creatives as relates to dancing, um, which I love to see as well. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. No problem. One of my favorite dancers, I love Lorianne Gibson. <laughs> we all do. She's a, she's a riot. <laughs> she is. I just go back to the Boomcats, like <laughs> watching her on Making a Band. Like that was one of my favorite shows growing up and just the Boomcat, Boomcat. Just, just, I love that. <laughs> those, those, those little clips still live on in Instagram and they come around at the right time. <laughs> <laughs> they really do. <laughs> So I have a question for you about like a bucket list. So if there were five things on your bucket list that you must complete in your lifetime, can you give me five things that you still want to complete that you have? Um, and, and, and is this dance or in general, anything? In general, let's kind of make it fun. Anything in general. Okay. Well, I, I could think of three right off the top that are with dance. I, I want to, um, I want to choreograph for the Olympics I want to I want to feel what it's like for the process of such a world event with thousands of puzzle pieces and so many um, creative people putting their minds together. I want to feel that energy. So putting it out in the universe (laughs) to do the Olympics. And um, I still have yet to choreograph for Beyonce. I want to work with her. So I'm putting that in the universe. And then the. The dancer in me, I mean, I don't know how much I could handle anymore, but the dancer in me would still love to dance with Janet Jackson at one point. <laughs> and um, real life, like uh, like in general, I want to live in Paris for a year just to kind of change things up. And and that's like a bucket list thing for me to, to live in Paris for a year. And then um, maybe another one is to uh, like... Uh, I want to um, tattoo both of my legs, <laughs> like full sleeves, and I haven't done that yet. Oh, I love that. I love tattoos. I don't have any <laughs> yet, but I will definitely get some in the future. But I just love seeing tattoos on people, especially the full sleeves and, and the ones that have like, I think that one looks like a watercolor. If you've ever seen that before, it's really like beautiful. I've seen someone who had the entire like arm just like a sleeve and it just looks like straight up watercolor. I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Those are the best ones when it's like a piece of art and it's forever on them. I, I love that. I do too. And I love Janet Jackson. So I'm so glad you mentioned that. Like that, I think that's a bucket list for everyone to meet her, to be in her room with her. I've heard nothing but positive things about Beyonce and Janet Jackson. I actually interviewed someone who sung background for Beyonce 
and he mentioned just how amazing that experience was just meeting her and how down to earth she was and um i mean janet that's just like an icon for sure <laughs> yeah yeah the, the 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 19 year old in me who or 18 year old who watched velvet rope was and was forever changed still is in me and, and and still gets excited when i hear her see her name trending somewhere or hear anything or you know it, it's just she has provided so much life and 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 joy for all the dancers and for just everyone out there in general that like it, you know if you don't want to go to a janet concert something's wrong with you <laughs> I agree with that statement 100%. She actually performed <laughs> um, in New Orleans for Essence. And I don't live in New Orleans anymore, but that's my home area. And I was like, oh, my God, out of any time to see her, this would have been the time to see Janet for Essence. Like, man. But um, I had a friend who went, and she said, like, it was one of the best times she ever had. Oh, yeah. I saw a little bit of that. And I had my uh, so, some good friends in that show, and it looked uh, incredible. Man. Well, we're going to manifest that. I believe in positive thinking. <laughs> so Jan is going to hopefully hear this one day or someone who knows Jan is going to hear this and we're going to just make that work. You know, I, the, the downside is now I'm, I'm 43. So <laughs> now I, uh, I, can, I can do a good walk and I could like, you know, uh, ice myself and really kill it if I have the preparation. But um, it, it, there's always that dream that still lives no matter what we're able to do or not. Kevin, we're going to manifest this. We're going to be 43 or 83. We're going to make this work. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> but I know what you're saying. Like, as you get older, like, it's it's kind of like your body's just not where, like, I'm, my birthday is actually next week. And so I'm going to be 37. And so I totally get what you're saying. Like, as you get older and you have these experiences, like, man, you know, I wish I had this 15 or 20 years ago or certain things that I've always wanted. But I look at it like, you know, this is a great opportunity, you know, to hopefully put it out there in the universe. And who knows, she may just reach out to you and say, <laughs> you know what we have? <laughs> she, ha she has reposted some of my, uh, my stuff and I have uh, met her a few times and my friends are really close with her. Uh, it's, it's, it's uh, just up to the universe now, I think. Absolutely. So I'm praying Janet hears this for sure. And, <laughs> and then my my bucket list, I have two people who I want to meet who I'm really a huge fan of. I love Tyler Perry. And he is someone, of course, from New Orleans as well. And I just will be so excited if one day I get a chance to talk to him and just be around him. And then the second person is Tori Kelly, who I love her. She's one of my favorite singers. And so those are two people who are like definitely bucket list people I would love to talk to and interview. Um, as far as three others for me, I definitely want to go to Brazil. That was always a place I've always wanted to go at least once. Um, I will say another bucket list is I want to get to the point where I maybe can start my own consulting firm uh, where I can be able to help counselors, like teaching counselors different interventions and just like be able to maybe put the right counselor in the right place with the right person kind of thing. And so that's something I've always wanted to kind of do something like that. And then maybe the fifth thing is to start my own, maybe like online website where I can do candles, music, podcasts. I do everything all in one and then be able to kind of help to give back to the inner city community and start a, a actual um, literacy program for young people of color 
so that they can be able to have those resources out there. So that's something I definitely um, want to make sure I, I accomplish at least the last one for sure. But the other ones, you know, we'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm really excited, but you know, Tyler Perry, I'm telling you, if I ever get that, I may just pass out <laughs> literally. <laughs> those are all so, so incredible. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, I love your list too, Kevin. I mean, I think list by list, if we can just knock one of them off, it'd be amazing. <laughs> For sure. That's how we do it. Absolutely. So can you explain to me, um, what does it mean to you to be extraordinary and not just ordinary? I just want your definition. What do you think that means to you? Um, I think like extraordinary is a, uh like a beauty and a confidence that you that you own as who you are because there's only one of you one of everyone and ordinary is where we start to compare ourselves or um you know uh, follow follow what we should be doing instead of what we really feel like we're doing and so when you come across those people, um, rather they're like, you know, playing really good music and driving kids on a bus or they're, uh, you know, having the time of their life uh, at, at the receptionist, at the, you know, doctor's office. These people are extraordinary um, because they are alive and happy and thrilled to be where they're at and who they're at. So extraordinary for me is like a inner confidence and like a owning who you are no matter where you go or what you do. And you don't, you don't hide that or lessen that because of your surroundings. You stay glowing the whole time. That's, that's what I think extraordinary is. I love that answer. And I think it kind of goes into my next question for you is what's one thing that you admire about yourself, something that you've been able doing inner work with Kevin that you've learned to admire about you. Um, I think like um, when we like when we are by ourselves, like like uh, when we're traveling alone or going to work by ourselves or we have a day alone, we're at our best because we are just listening to our own instincts and stuff, uh, as opposed to when you have a partner or responsibilities or pets or, or kids or family or when you have extra energies around. And I've been practicing like my instincts, being able to use them without the energy that's around me affecting that. And that's kind of hard because I'm like an empath and I'm, I can feel everyone's energy and I want to make sure I'm like kind of seeing what's wrong with people, if they're okay or what's happening. And I've been getting better and I'm proud of myself for like, for my instincts, for keeping true to them, for saying, no, I, I, I hear you, but I, think there, this is another way to do this. Uh, and so my instincts uh, have been clearer and brighter lately. And um, I don't doubt them and I don't question them. And um, that's something I've been really um, not struggling with, but um, there's like a gift of being able to see what someone else is saying. And now I'm able to say, I, I understand what you're saying and I'd like to offer this and add to this because I feel strongly about this and those instincts that I normally just use when I'm by myself, I'm using now all the time. So that's something I'm really proud of. 
I have had to learn to do that myself. That's a hard thing in my field to not sometimes feel that way. So I want you to remember these two words. This is something that I came up with to remind people. One is to absorb versus explore. And so when we explore, we can explore different feelings and emotions with others when we're in a right mental capacity and spirituality, if that's something we're using as well to build a relationship, we have a right to explore, but not absorb other people's energy. Because sometimes when we absorb everything that's going on around us, um, we end up being consumed by that emotion. And it's hard for us to yeah. repel away from it because we get, get into that rescue mode at times. Like I need to rescue this person to rescue myself. And then you feel like I have the life vest, but I don't know how to put it on. <laughs> so it could be one of the hardest things of you can still love someone um, going through situations, but you don't have to go through it in the same way that they're experiencing it. Because sometimes we can actually take away their experience of managing their trauma, their grief or their insecurities, because they, they'll be relying on us to always be there to do it. And when we're not there, then it's like, well, who am I without Kevin? Or who am I without Kevin's advice or Kevin's suggestions? And so I think like that's one thing I've had to learn is you can take a step back and still love someone, but also not enable them to a point where they become, you know, reliant on you for almost every part of their life or every aspect that they'll need to run it by you instead of giving them the responsibility to run it by themselves first. That's awesome. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I love just being able to use tidbits, like small statements or phrases that people can use and then just expand upon that because, you know, especially in this field, like you said, with entertainment, you need to be able to catch people's attention and, and remind them of things and then just also just reinforce it. Just kind of like a dance count. You know, you have to remember, hey, if I miss this, it doesn't mean I'm not a good dancer. It just means that I have to refocus and recenter so I get it the next time. Yeah, exactly. Well said. Thank you. So this is a fun question because there's so many different forms of dance that's out there. Do you feel like a lot of our up and coming maybe dancers and there's so much going on, of course, with TikTok and different dance crazes that are going on. Do you feel that the masses right now are losing interest in like the traditional forms of dance? Um. I think the masses of people out there um, just want to have fun. <laughs> and so they are looking at TikTok for all the fun things that are kind of like mindless. And then if you get a spark of interest for dance, you go further and you start looking at people that you um, are drawn to. And it, I think that if that, as long as that interest keeps going, then you're going to do your research. But um What's cool about like where dance is at is that it's very accessible to everyone, um, no matter like age uh, or location or body size. And it's, it's spirited with fun, but there are so many lanes of like therapeutic, dramatic, emotional, uh, uh, cultural, uh, dark, theatrical, you know, all types of dance that people are drawn to as well. So I don't think that they are getting forgotten or overlooked, but uh, a lot of those dances can be considered like foundational or cultural. And if you don't understand, like maybe that's not part of your culture, maybe you won't see how fun it is. So 
it, it kind of, I hope that people start to see like all these fun dances on TikTok or whatever, and they want to do them because it's like mindless and fun. And then they say, well, who made this up? And then they say, well, where are they from? What beat is that? And then when you start asking questions, whether you know it or not, you're learning. And and that's how we, you know, trick people into learning uh, foundations or cultures or, um, you know, people's uh, self-expression. But overall, I am a fan of the happiness that is spreading through these, um, you know, social party party dances <laughs> <laughs> i love that you need to trademark that that's a great way of putting it for sure <laughs> but i i think that's a great point of just even like with books i think if you use books as a reference sometimes there are different words that people don't understand and when you look it up further and you see you know how to use it as a synonym or antonym when just in a sentence and being able to apply it to a conversation I think dance is the same way. Like if you're learning your first eight count, maybe as a kid and you're just trying to figure it out, then you get to use so many different references. And now, of course, the internet, which is something when we were younger, we didn't have as much of the accessibility to a lot of these resources that the younger generation Mm -hmm. now can go and just go to YouTube and pause it or maybe look at an actual live television. and, And, you know, when I was growing up, that wasn't even a thing, but you know, live television and just be able to stop it and rewind and just use that as a great reference to learning something new. And you, like I said, that's why I love Dance with the Stars so much too, is because, you know, there's many different art forms that you have to learn, but it just shows like, even in that time constraint, you only have what, a minute and a half, or if that long to show your best work was taking weeks to even get to that point, to, to have enough confidence to have that you know, performance ready for, for live television. So that's great. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's all facts. (laughs) (laughs) So this is one of my favorite questions. I hardly ever ask this one to many of my guests. So you're actually one of only a few who gets this one, but if you could have dinner with at least three people, this could be someone who has passed or someone who's alive, who would you choose to sit at that table and why? Hmm. Maybe the first person that I would have there would be Bjork. <laughs> I'd just like to stare at her for a little while and see what she's wearing and how she holds her fork and what she, <laughs> what those mannerisms, what planet she's from. I just have never experienced anyone who's such an alien like her. So I would love to sit with her. Um, let's see here. I would also maybe... Mm. this is tough i'm 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 going through it right now <laughs> um i'm gonna add uh michelle obama to that table um i just think she's uh like a gift to us the way she communicates i just connect with her i think maybe because we're the same sign or whatnot but i get the way she's saying things how when she just the way she holds herself i would love to just soak any of that up and take any of that class and 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 coolness with myself (laughs) i would only be so lucky to to be at a table with her and then uh maybe the last one would be um prince (laughs) and i would uh just pick his brain about like chords and keys and inspiration 
and uh, and stories that he wasn't able to share with people on a public platform and and ask him all the all the good stuff. <laughs> so it would be like music from Prince, life from Michelle Obama, and art and outer space from Bjork. <laughs> you know, I just thought of a funny title that you could actually do a choreography. I could do hand choreography with the fork. And it could be Bjork with the fork. <laughs> it could be really cool. That's that's a, di- a dinner a dinner title for sure. <laughs> Absolutely, like a Food Network show. Like that would be yeah. Kevin <laughs> is hosting Bjork with a fork. I love that. <laughs> but I think if I had to choose three people, it's hard. It changes for me all the time. One who definitely is a constant choice I would always choose is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I feel like I just would love to know what went into his mind before writing the I Have a Dream speech and then just being able to stand next to him as he's giving that speech. Like, to me, that would be a life-changing thing just to know what he's gone through, but what he has given back to the world and not just people of color, but just what he really stood for. Um, I just really admire and have always admired um, him being a strong-minded male, sharing his experiences, but also telling people that what you see is not always what you know about a person. And so I really would enjoy that conversation. I think the second Mm -hmm. person Mm -hmm. will be Michael Jackson, because that was someone who I looked up to as a kid. I had my own glove and I learned to moonwalk. That's one thing I can do good at a good (laughs) moonwalk, but (laughs) out of anything I can do, but I just always loved him and just going from being a kid and a child star, he was one of the originators, I would say, of being a child star um, in my eyes and being able to continue to perform in all the adversities and things he has gone through in his life, things that we may not ever fully understand, but that he still got up and he entertained. Like he could just stand on stage and just look and not say a word. And people were just crying and fainting and falling out. And, and I'm just like, what is he doing? He's not even doing anything. And people just were enthralled with, with Michael's presence and that aura that he carried. So that will be another one just to, to ask him, can I borrow his glove for a minute? And then, <laughs> and then also just to kind of know like how hard that was growing up in the spotlight at a time when things were, of course, different than where we are now. And just like how things would be different if he was still here where social media and life is would he still have that same star power which i think he would versus when he first started out so he'd be my second choice Mm. and then third this is always pretty hard for me oh i probably said barack obama and i think the reason being is because with his him being the president of the united states it was a historic thing, not just only for people of color. Because I think that's what people get misconstrued. It's just like, oh, it's just because of that. No, it's because he showed resiliency and fighting through. And whether you're on the side of what he believes in or not, it doesn't matter. But he did fight for a lot of things that other people weren't able to implement at those times. He was also able to be able to, to share his experience. And he did it in such a cool, classy way, similar to, like you said, Michelle Obama. You know, it was a loving relationship that you knew wasn't for show. You could tell that they really cared genuinely for each other and supported each other, mm-hmm. which I think is something that we don't get to see as often with the president and the first lady 
um, seeing another glimpse into the life of, of that family. And you felt like you were actually a part of the inauguration versus feeling like you were just blessed to even see it. You know, I felt like, hey, this is someone who could be like a cousin or or uncle or someone who I could see at a cookout and it would be just a fun experience in and outside of the White House. And I feel like even leaving there, the White House, of course, and his presidency, I feel like maybe the relationship has been even stronger since because they went through a lot of, you know, criticism and negativity and, but he still has remained from what I've seen, able to rise above, as she says, you know, going higher and not going low with other people. Because when you wallow in that negativity, you can be consumed by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her her one-liners have changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So those are my three that I would probably choose. But you know, Good job. I, thank you. I was like, I was, I've always shifted on that. I was like, one I really also wanted to meet is. Nelson Mandela like that is a person who I feel like just knowing what he had gone through being in that cell I just couldn't imagine what Mm. that experience was like and I would love to have talked to him leaving the cell and what was he experiencing getting out of that that negative feeling or whatever he may have been going through in his mind because you can't tell me that being locked in and confined that your mind doesn't go to a different place and just really discussing that in depth with him, would, that would have probably been such a life-changing moment for me if he was still here. I would have loved to have talked to someone like him. Mm, that's awesome. Thank you. So I have only a few more questions for you. So this is a fun one. I think you might really be able to answer this really well for us. Um, what advice would you give for a young dancer who's just beginning in their career and the second part of that question is, what advice would you give to your younger self? If you could talk to young Kevin at this moment, what would you think he would need to hear from you? <laughs> I could probably give the same advice to both, which is um, that when you get closer to your dreams, <laughs> uh, maybe that for me was behind an artist or dancing in a movie or you know, a TV show, life gets fast and and it gets um unrealistic because you're surrounded by celebrities you're getting paid a lot of money to do what you love and when you're young and that happens you can get you can uh, mistake mistake like uh that moment for reality and so the best thing for any like young dancer or even for myself when i was young is to not think that that's reality. That's just a gift. It's like a, it's a one-time gift that happens and you, you unwrap it, you enjoy it. And then you're back to the, the drive. And, um, sometimes that we learn that the hard way, uh, in when you do something you love for a living and you happen to be successful at it and get paid well, you start buying unnecessary shoes and clothes and things that don't last. So, uh, the, the energy, from the entertainment industry can be really alluring and enticing. And you as a young person can be so drawn to that and reminding yourself that's not home. That's not family. That's not your base. That's just an outside moment in time. And then you come back. That's the most important thing I could uh, share with them. And, And like when you do get these opportunities, 
it's not to live in the moment. It's to live in the moment with the opportunity, take the money and invest in the future. Don't, don't spend it. Don't uh, feel like these jobs are going to keep coming to you. Um, don't get caught up in the, the fast lane. Uh, so always kind of pull back and recenter yourself. I really enjoyed hearing that statement because I think there's a lot of frivolous spending that does go on in a lot of careers and people don't think of the long term of like, oh, I don't have a 401k. I don't know where this is going to go and I don't have a retirement plan. And I think people forget that because like you say, it's the lure of what they see or the glitz and glam. Well, this is how my life is going to be for the next 40 years. But there's a lot of people that you have to pay if you have managers, if you have you know, other people's security, like there's other aspects to this business. And I think one thing I want to leave the listeners with as well is there's a dark side to this industry as well, that people just don't talk about. But, you know, it's not all glitz and glamour and just excitement. There's other things that happen behind the scenes that no one really gets to see. And so it's just about being aware, keeping people, as you said, close to you, who you can trust, um, and then also being able to reinvest in yourself, make time for Kevin, make time for me, make time for you. Like we, we, we make time for everyone else in our day, but we sometimes forget about our own well-being in the course of it. So I think, Kevin, you, you've been the epitome of success because you have shown that you can rise and fall, learn from and grow, but still be yourself through the whole process. And I think that's why people connect with you. Thank you so much. Oh, no problem. (laughs) So, Kevin, the last question I have for you, can you tell our listeners, where can they find you online? And if you don't mind telling us, is there anything new that you have coming up that you want to plug and let us know? Um, Well, online, (laughs) I've been resisting uh, TikTok, but I'm starting one. So that'll be up like next week. uh, And I'm going to just dive into that world. I only resisted it because... I'm trying to get away from fun things on my phone and do more fun things in real life, (laughs) but it's not going anywhere. And it's part of how we work in the entertainment industry. So I'm hopping into that. Um, And then uh, Instagram, of course, and and Twitter and, you know, anything else um, is is there. I have a little uh, uh, connection on my Instagram page for uh, a a group or community that I started called um, a smart artist and I, we just kind of share um, different perspectives from different people from all all types of entertainment industry and what they've learned and and how they have become smarter. And so that community is awesome if you want to check that out for any of the artists listening. And um, coming up, I'll be going to Australia for a new um, show that's happening out there. I've been doing blessed to do some really cool jobs out there these like um fancy adult circus comedy slash acrobat cabaret type shows um and i've been doing them for about like five or seven years now and there's a new one coming up but the best part is that i get to go to australia while it's cold in um in the u.s it's warm over there so i'm excited to to beat get away from winter (laughs) Well, I am so excited for you. Like, this is going to be a great opportunity for you to continue to explore. And I just want to, first of all, thank you for gracing this show with your presence. Like, this has been a great opportunity for me to get to know more about you. And you really have done a great job explaining for someone who may not know much about dance or just this career. 
if they're interested, I feel like they would definitely be able to learn a lot from you. And this has just been a great opportunity. Thanks. It's so fun. I, I mean, it, it's just uh, fun to share and the questions are great. And I love hearing uh, all of your thoughts and perspectives. And I hope everyone listening uh, got something cool out of it. I hope so, too. And so, Kevin, I would love to have you back in the future if you want to be on. I have two other shows. So one of them I have, which is live recording. So unless you want to sing and get the guitar out, I don't know if you want to be on Space Between. <laughs> but um, my other show is called Embracing Your Love Marks. And so we're going to have our premiere episode, actually, this Thursday. Um, Dorian and I um, are going to be co-hosting on this show. And so if you, you guys have not followed Embracing Your Love Marks, it is available on Spotify at this time. Um, my actual intro episode, it's only been out for maybe a week and a half, and we're already, I think, at almost 5,000 streams of it already, which is really cool because we haven't really been marketing it that much recently. So I really want you guys, y'all can follow and stream and share with your friends. It would be really great. Um, Kevin, I would love to have you on the show because we're going to be talking about self-love um, we're going to talk about wellness and, and different things that we can use to help build our self-esteem and, and also be able to dive deep into some topics that I think some people have a hard time discussing, but we're going to do it in a fun, creative way. So if you're ever interested, um, you can keep in touch with me. We would love to have you on as a guest in the future. Oh, thank you so much. That sounds awesome. And the title is very, very cool. <laughs> I can't you. wait to check it out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was one night I was kind of I think with most of the titles that I come up with for stuff like it'll just hit me in, a, in the middle of my sleep. I'm like, you know what? Wake up and write it down. So like I immediately wrote it down and I was like, because when we think of love marks, people think like hickeys and stuff like that. And I'm like, how can we turn this? Because <laughs> I had some people that are like, what is that, man? You're talking about like embracing it. You're going to bite someone's neck. And I'm like, no, that's not what I'm saying. It's saying like we're embracing just, you know, that we have love within us and then we have different marks on our bodies, meaning like from traumas and even from great things that we've experienced. And so we need to learn to embrace and talk about it in a form where we don't feel judged by, but we feel loved in the process. And so that's kind of what I wanted to, the premise of the show is to kind of have more inclusivity and less divisiveness because there's enough of that already going on. And so, yeah, I told Dorian, I was like, I'm going to, I'm already doing two shows, but I'll do this with you once a month because I love him. He's a great guy. And this would be something he'll be spearheading mostly. And I'll just be kind of assisting along the way. So it's going to be really cool. I can't wait. It sounds perfect. Sounds awesome. Thank you so much, Kevin. And let's remember you guys to embrace our uniqueness because the world is our canvas. All right, Kevin, well, you have a great rest of your afternoon and we're going to keep in touch. And I'm just so grateful that you gave me this opportunity. Oh, likewise. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Okay, you too. Bye. Oh, 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 oh,